Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Good evening. I'm Rodney Hom. And I'm Dr. Kathleen McCarthy. Welcome to our final podcast. Midnight Balloon. A light journey into darkness. Our ninth episode is entitled Bad Luck. Superstitions. Bad Karma. Jinxes. And Poetic Justice. Hmm. I hope it's not bad luck to start with... Bad Luck. English.stackexchange.com describes bad luck as bedogged by misfortune. Bad luck means a disaster, a debacle, but which also implies that it was based solely on chance, not on the players doing anything wrong. At the beginning of Laverne and Shirley, their theme song begins. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Shlemiel, Shlemazel, Hassenfeffer Incorporated. According to EnglishStackExchange.com, Shlemiel and Shlemazel are Yiddish expressions where a Shlemiel is a person who always spills his soup. And a shamazel is a person who always gets soup spilled on him. All cultures experience the notion of bad luck. In Chinese culture, bad luck is associated with the number four because its pronunciation sounds so similar to the word death. Many Chinese buildings do not have a fourth floor. No one wants to live in a floor that means death. According to MirrorHistory.com, breaking a mirror can cause seven years of bad luck. It's an ancient myth based on the belief that mirrors were devices of the gods with the power to foresee the future. To break a mirror meant that the last person whose reflection the mirror held, bad things would befall that person. Walking under a ladder is bad luck. A leaning ladder forms a trinity, and walking through it breaks the trinity. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But a ladder leaning against the wall could also be like a gallows where one is hung. You can break the bad luck by walking backwards again or make a wish while walking under the ladder. Black cats are considered bad luck because they are associated with witches. Unfortunately, that bias has stopped black kittens from being adopted at shelters. Kathleen. Yes? Last night, we went to Raymond and Pierre's dinner party. Yes? We were all sitting around the table, you and your husband, Dennis, Raymond and his husband, Pierre, and me and my beau, Thorne. Dinner was delicious. Flank steak and watermelon salad. You went to the powder room. Yes, I have things to powder. When you came back from the powder room, you entered the dining room from the kitchen entrance and sat back down. I remember. On the wall of the kitchen, at the entrance, I saw a shadow, the profile of a man, inhumanly tall, almost to the ceiling, but he didn't enter into the dining room. Instead, his shadow turned around and moved away back into the kitchen. Okay. I knew it wasn't your shadow because you were already seated. And then I thought, it was Raymond's or someone else was in the kitchen. But everyone in the house was seated around the table. You saw a spirit? I turned to my right where Thorne was sitting and said, Are you ready to go? Thorne said, Anytime you want. And then I turned to my left where Pierre, one of the owners of the house, and I said, Were there other owners of the house? And he said, That's an easy answer because there was only one couple that owned the house before them. They had no kids. I pushed farther. Did they die outside the house? And he said, no, they both died in the house. The wife first, then the husband. I had indirectly asked the question I wanted, but it didn't seem like the right answer. The shadow was too tall to be a regular man. So my question to you, Kathleen, is, do I tell Raymond Pierre what I saw? No, I don't think you should tell them that you saw a ghost in their house. And why not? Because there's no point in telling them. No good can come from it. Would you want me to tell you if I saw a shadow person in your house? 
I don't know, Rodney. One thing I love about our house is that it was a new build, so there have been no previous owners, which means less chance of having a haunting. Didn't you tell me that your house was built on the site of a tuberculosis hospital? That sounds like it would be rife with spirits. I don't know. I mean, back in the day, if you had tuberculosis, the treatment was to rest, which meant that you took long naps, and on sunny days, they wheeled you out, wrapped you up in a warm blanket so that you could take in the sunshine. Sounds rather pleasant to me. Okay, Kathleen, for someone who is a doctor, I find it strange that you would refer to a devastating disease such as tuberculosis as pleasant and restful. Hmm, that's interesting. I don't know. You said I don't know three times, which means you don't want me to tell you if I ever saw a ghost in your house. Your answer was that you couldn't possibly have a ghost because your house is new, and that you couldn't possibly have a ghost because even though your house is built over a demolished tuberculosis hospital, everyone was treated so nicely no one could have ever died there with sorrow, pain, or fear. If I saw a burglar in your house, would you want me to tell you? Uh, yes, so I could call the police, but a burglar is something solid and real, and he or she can be arrested. Problem solved. A ghost or spirit, not so easy to deal with. So you don't think we should tell Raymond and Pierre that I saw a mysterious shadow in their home? Well, there is more to this story. Okay. Raymond and Pierre already know they have a haunted house. What do you mean? Let me rephrase. They know that their house used to be haunted, but they also believe that the ghost is gone. When they moved in years ago, they had a troublesome ghost who they figured out was the woman who used to live there. Let's call her Betsy. By the way, Pierre's and Raymond's home is a lovely home in a historical district. Betsy was a persnickety ghost, making sounds and I think maybe even moving things around when they weren't looking. Finally, Raymond got fed up and yelled, This is not your house anymore. You are not welcome here and you need to leave. And did Betsy, the ghost, leave? Yes, and that was over two decades ago, maybe even longer. So who do you think the shadow of the tall man was? He was too tall to be human. Well, there's even more to this story. Okay. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, when they were renovating the house, they found a hidden and sealed off room. It was a long and narrow closet that had large hooks in the wall. To hold coats? Yeah, if the coats are full of corpses. And <laughs> what were the hooks for? Well, I think I've discussed this with Raymond and Pierre over the years, but I'm not sure. Every time I walk past that particular area in the hallway, which is right next to what I call the meat hook closet, I feel oppressed with something dark and evil. Once I turn the corner and go into the bathroom, I feel safe and the feeling disappears. I felt that eeriness in the hall to the bathroom as well. Once I'm in the bathroom, I'm fine. Is that true? I mean, have you always felt that? Yep. The short hall is very dark. I always feel a little fear and oppression when I go through that hall. You never told me that. You still don't think we should tell them? No. I mean, listen, they're living there peacefully, and they think the ghost is gone. Why bring it up? To tell them might only cause problems or make them feel uncomfortable in their own home. I think that's just one more reason you should mention it to them. I don't know, Rodney. Okay, once again, you say, I don't know, which is the same as saying no, but I think it's bad luck not to tell them for us and them. Why can't I just say, I don't know, because I'm not sure, and I really don't know? Because no means we don't tell them, and I don't know means that we don't tell them also. I need more time to think about this. Okay, think about this. Superstitions are bad luck and are closely tied together. 
According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, superstition means a belief or practice resulting from ignorance, fear of the unknown, trust in magic or chance, or a false conception of causation. And that means? Well, to believe in a superstition is to believe in something that is irrational and made-up nonsense. Oh, I think that's nonsense. There is a Chinese superstition where you shouldn't have a straight pathway to your house and that you should have a step before you enter the entrance. This is sounding strangely familiar. Tell me more about the straight pathway superstition. Because spirits, for some reason, have to move in a straight line and can't take steps, which makes it harder for them to enter the house, or in this case, maybe even exit one. Hmm, that's interesting. You also never give clocks as a gift because it is the same as wishing death on someone. The word clock in Chinese sounds like the phrase, the end. What about giving a watch? Time for humans is mortality. Why chance it? And as a wedding gift, you never give knives. It cuts the love and luck. This is sounding eerily familiar. I know that if you gave those things to a Chinese couple or person, they would know you meant ill will towards them, that you were trying to jinx their wedding. Now, by jinx, do you mean bring them bad luck? Yes. Do you think the meat hooks in Raymond and Pierre's walls have any relevancy? I doubt that the previous owners were hunters. And in Phoenix, we don't exactly need winter coats. So really... I do believe that something terrible happened there. You really, really think that? When Raymond and Pierre renovated their house, Raymond had found out that his childhood church was being torn down. So he went and purchased the 14 stations of the cross from the church. Is it by accident or is just Raymond very intuitive in that he hung all 14 stations of the cross on the opposite side of the same wall as the meat hook closet? which is their living room, almost as if to protect them from what is in that hidden closet. Mm, I think you should tell them. I think you should tell them. You're the one that saw the shadow man. You're closest to them. Telling the truth is the first step in solving it. It would be bad luck to not tell them. Don't you have any superstitions? I don't think I have any overwhelming superstitions, but I have several little ones. Such as... When I set the air conditioner or the radio volume, it needs to be on an even number. I can only dial the radio dial clockwise, and I don't like it when knives on a table are pointed at me, and I hate it when empty shoes are sitting on the floor and pointed at me. These sound like personal superstitions. Yes, and if the AC and the radio are not on even numbers, my fear is that I'm going to die. I don't like knives pointing at me because I have an irrational fear that they are going to fly off the table and impale me through the heart. When I was a kid, I always pointed the toes of my shoes at the wall so that the ghost would keep bumping into the wall, which kept me safe. That is unique and an advanced image for such a young child. What if the shoes were pointing at you? What, what, what happens? Well, I was convinced that if the shoes were pointing at me, then the ghost could step into them, which would then give the ghost the power to walk in a straight line toward me and kill me. So, without knowing any Chinese superstitions, you, like the Chinese, share superstitions about numbers, knives, and ghosts. If Chinese people believe ghosts can only walk in straight lines, you decided on your own somehow that shoes pointing at you would lead a ghost to you. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, the similarities are striking. Maybe I was Chinese in a previous life, uh, but all my superstitions that I described are all small things that I could easily control. And I don't usually go around telling people about my quirks, which I guess can be called superstitions or even mild OCD. Bad luck implies that it was based solely on chance, not on us doing something wrong. Maybe superstitions are a way of us trying to control our fates. 
my husband and I took a trip to the Amazon River two years ago, and we were out in the middle of nowhere at night on a small boat in a tributary off the main river. When our guide shut off the flashlight, it was complete and utter darkness, with only the menacing sounds of the jungle. In that moment, I understood how people come up with the idea of having something like a magic charm that keeps them safe. Like the crucifix warding off vampires. (laughs) Exactly. But you're not a superstitious person. If the circumstances were right, I can see myself latching on to superstition. Either way, if you believe in that, why aren't you willing to tell Raymond and Pierre that they have a supernatural home invader? Maybe there is something they can do to rid their house of this shadow man. Because it's a nebulous thing with no clear answer. Raymond has been ill these past few years. He is strong and overcomes a huge obstacle. And then there is a setback. Wonder if this shadow man was causing it. God, I hope not. I mean, that's a horrible thought. You know, maybe it isn't just bad luck that you don't tell them. Maybe it's bad karma. I'm listening. On LinkedIn, the article, Hinduism, Evil Eye, Bad Karma Wishes, written by Mark Najad, he writes, Karma is a Sanskrit word that means action, and is a law that means every action has a consequence in the immediate or later future. Good actions in accordance with Dharma will have good responses, and bad actions that go against karma or Dharma will have negative ones. Bad karma will not only have ramifications in this lifetime, but in the next. I do believe in karma. The article talks about the evil eye. Just yesterday, by coincidence, a friend gave me an evil eye charm on a bracelet to ward off evil eye. And what is the evil eye? An ancient idea that if someone is jealous of you or thinking ill of you, they are directly or indirectly giving you a curse. The evil eye charm is usually blue with an eye in the middle painted as a white circle with a blue dot to represent the eye. Why did your friend give you this evil eye charm? Just by coincidence. Hmm, I'm still not sure about sharing the Shadow Man info with Raymond and Pierre. Maybe it will bring me bad karma. You shouldn't share with Raymond and Pierre because of the fear of bad karma, but because you need to tell them something bad may be in their house. What if me telling them has bad consequences and me not telling them has no consequences? That's not for me to decide. I don't know, but I won't let logic or inconvenience dismiss it from my mind. I was driving one of my friends, let's call her Irene, home from a late night party. It was 3 a.m., and I pulled up in front of her house. Irene was in the mood to talk, so we talked. Suddenly, she went silent and got a weird look on her face. I asked her what was wrong, and she told me that there was something sitting in the back seat of my car. Well, she took off into her house, and I had to drive home with Mr. Ghost in my back seat. I had an unnerving drive home, and I had to sleep the rest of the night with the lights and television on. I did not appreciate her sharing that information with me. Wow, that's very creepy. Okay, to skip over to something else, in the West we have a thing called poetic justice. Merriam-Webster.com defines poetic justice as an outcome in which vice is punished and virtue rewarded, usually in a manner peculiarly or ironically appropriate. And why are you bringing this up, Rodney? It would be ironic if the shadow I saw in their home followed you home. Rodney, you were so mean! On BrightSideMe.com in the article, scientists found that your meanest friend is the one who actually cares about you the most. You mean like the time on episode 5 when we imagined a situation where you tricked a demon into me? Or the time in episode 8 when we imagined a situation where you tried to poison me with cyanide. Well, I have to admit that was rather mean of me. Does that mean I care about you the most? 
That just proves the scientist's point of view. The article further states, friends that can be brutally honest, mean, and cause negative feelings are the ones who actually care about you the most, according to science. And you should keep them around. So, I think that you should tell Raymond and Pierre about the Shadow Man, or bad luck and bad karma are going to get you. Hmm. I guess I could take one for the team. And that means... Next time I see Raymond and Pierre, I will tell them in person about the shadow man that you saw in their home. God, Rodney, I don't know how you get me to do these things. You will have good luck, good karma, and the Virgin Mary will look kindly upon you. Well, let's not piss off the Virgin Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace. In honor of this being our last episode, I will take one for the team and I will tell Raymond and Pierre. Let's put this episode on pause and see what happens after you tell them. Okay, but... What if they take it badly? If you share with them the article, scientists found that your meanest friend is one of those who actually cares the most about you, maybe they won't hate you so much. I love how you imply that they're going to hate me no matter what. The only thing that will hate you is the inhumanly tall shadow man with the three meat hooks hiding in the closet. Let's take a pause and in moments we'll tell how things went with Raymond and Pierre. Okay. By the way, this is our last episode. If you were to do another one, Kathleen, what personal story would you uh, would you share as a podcast? My neighbor, the serial killer. Hmm, did you keep any souvenirs? You'll never know unless we do another episode. John. Yes. John's our sound engineer to those in the audience tuning in for the first time. Thank you, Kathleen. John, do you believe in bad luck or bad karma? Well, I had some bad karma corn one time, but... Oh, oh, you mean the karma with the K? Oh, yeah. Um, no. But bad luck? Yes. You think so? Yeah, I believe in bat guano crazy. Testing, one, two, three, testing, and you are on. We're back. Gee, Kathleen, it's been three weeks since we last met. Did you tell Pierre and Raymond about the Shadow Man? I did not. I wanted to tell them in person, and there was never a convenient time to tell them. You could have called. I think it needed to be in person. Why? Because it's more convenient for you than them? I don't know. I mean, the right time just never happened. Did you suffer any bad karma? Oh, boy, did I. I turned on the AC at the office and nothing. I called the repairman who checked the unit and said the unit was done, so I had to replace it. Not two days later, I go to adjust the other thermostat, and that AC is also not responding. The repairman comes out again and tells me that the second unit is also toast. Okay, this is very painful, but I replace both units. That weekend, I get in my car, and every warning light comes on, including the dreaded check your hybrid system. I take my car to the dealer and informed it will cost me $5,300 to fix. And it's a Toyota Camry. So to make a long story short, I put on my big girl pants and leased a new car. It has been a very expensive two weeks. Well, you can pay your karmic deck by telling them. I will. Or as Melissa Chu writes for Inc.com, this researcher reveals how lucky people differ from unlucky people. So is there a way out of this for me? She writes, Richard Weissman, a British psychology professor at the University of Hertfordshire, was studying how luck plays a role in our lives. What was his advice? He did an experiment. He gave people a newspaper and asked them to count the number of photographs inside. Unlucky people took about two minutes to count the photographs. Lucky people took seconds. How can that be? On the second page of the newspaper, there was a large message that read, Stop counting. There are 43 photographs in this newspaper. 
Unlucky people tended to miss the message, while lucky people spotted it right away. The self-professed lucky people were simply more observant. Hmm. Remember in our episode, The Blue Kiss of Psychics? Yes. You said you were an optimist pessimist. Yes, that means I hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Lucky people are optimistic. They have positive expectations, which leads to self-fulfilling prophecies. Which are you, Rodney? I'm an idealist. I'm beyond optimism. I think I'm the luckiest person in the world. Kathleen, I have something to tell you. What would that be? I know you like to be told these things in person. I'm glad you didn't tell Raymond and Pierre about the shadow man. Why? These podcasts we've done, it's revealed a lot about us. Intentionally and unintentionally, I've seen a troubling pattern. What are you talking about, Rodney? And I married a psychopath. Our first episode. Darkness followed you in your marriage life, even though you were protected by a loving family. Okay, that's true. And the cost of seeing ghosts. Our fourth episode. Your life began with your mother observing your deceased grandfather looking over your infant self. In that same episode, you admitted, growing up, You lived in fear of your house because of the horrifying noises. It was an older wooden house. They settle. That's what your mother told you to calm your mind. But you yourself said, when one door is open, another opens. One that can be significantly darker. Are you saying something evil was there? I think you've always known, but you've just blocked it from your mind as you grew older. I don't like where this is going. In the episode Not Today, Satan, you admitted you made a deal with the devil as a young child. I was just a kid, and I was being ridiculously dramatic. All children don't do this, but I don't think you made a deal with the devil. I don't think I did either. Instead, I think you felt something there, and you made a deal with it. It was not the devil, because you admitted yourself that you have a fear of the devil. So the darkness you were talking to might have been the shadow man. I would have been scared of that too. You probably never saw him, but you grew up and after your marriage and while you were in grad school, you admitted in our episode the cost of seeing ghosts. The ghost of your deceased grandmother visited you and something ominous appeared after. Your roommates heard something heavy being dragged across the floor back and forth for 15 minutes. You said your grandmother's chair was turned around facing the wall. You also shared, not on our podcast, that a friend of yours was visited by a frightening spirit in your home while you were asleep, and she would not or could not wake you up for a whole hour. I told you that in private, Rodney. Even you admitted in our seventh episode, sleep paralysis, night terrors, and nightmares, that you were visited by an evil spirit that sits on your bed. Maybe it isn't a dream. Maybe it's real. Ronnie, you're starting to scare me. You came to me to do a podcast. Why? Out of all the people you could have done a podcast with, you chose me. I admitted in the first podcast that I am an empath. You knew without consciously knowing that I could glean something from all this. What I'm trying to say is that the shadow man I saw may not have been residing in Raymond Pierre's home, but rather was there because a darkness has followed you all your life. And it is here with you now. Maybe it's following you and not me. In the first episode, you learn I'm an empath. In the second episode, you learn I will help you kill an evil man. The third episode, you learn that even psychologists come to share their darkest secrets with me like you have. In the fourth, you learn... You've never seen a ghost. In the fifth, I exercise the evil from you. In the eighth, we learn I can foretell the future. While I was hoping for the best, I did not prepare for the worst. Which brings us to the present episode.
bad luck, superstitions, bad karma, jinxes, and poetic justice. I never envision anything this horrific. We have to do something because as you learn from the episodes The Blue Kiss of Psychics... Please stand up if this is you. You, you can see the future. What, Ronnie, what do you see? I asked you three weeks ago if we were to do another episode, what would you want to do? And what did you answer? My neighbor, the serial killer? That might be the future. But that crime has already been committed. He's in prison. I can divine the future, but I can't tell you how to get there. There is hope. What is it? Looking back in hindsight, we named our company Wake Up Cassandra. As you know, Cassandra predicted her own death. And she walked bravely into her own murder. Yes, but I added, wake up! Because I believe that Cassandra could have changed her fate. Our entire podcast is about no matter what is natural or supernatural, there is no fate or predestination. You have choices and you can change your fate. Instead of wake up Cassandra, what we were really saying to try to say was... Uh, Wake up, Kathleen. So you don't have to tell Raymond Pierre about the spirit if you don't want. It has nothing to do with them. Maybe I knew that the whole time, and that was why I was subconsciously delaying telling them. I'll help you. Help me to die? No, survive. Our second episode, we successfully killed a serial killer, so we can win. Well, I know we all have to die, but I can't believe you're predicting my death. Can you ever forgive me? Strangely enough, yes. By the way... How do you know John? Our sound engineer? Yeah, I mean, do you did you do a background check on him? Uh, I'm right here, you know. Thank you all for listening. To Midnight Balloon. A light journey. Into darkness. Rodney, I'm scared. I just realized, why is there, I mean, is it a coincidence that there is a knife dripping blood in our logo? Oh my God. Good, Good night. night. Sylvia. <laughs>